Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. And uh, going to tell you that uh, there's an old saying in the car business at 135. Cars cost less than Otasco, and Brent Ridgeford is a committed uh, to providing you unequaled automotive excellence, Brent Ridgeford, Otasquin. Unequaled automotive excellence resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough payments or an interest rate that's too high or that you want to sell, refinance, or trade in for something different, go visit Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford or call them at one 877 or visit BrentRidge.com. Um we are going to head off. Uh, have we negotiated contact uh, with Elme? I think he's driving back, actually, to Texas. Brendan, you, We're good I, to go, yeah. We're good to go. Let's go to our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, today. And uh, just before we go to Al, I want to read a text. We're talking about officiating and the problems with officiating, the frustration specifically with Montreal and uh, Vegas and some of the non-calls that have taken place. Jason from Sangudo says, if only Ron Hader, Wayne Hart, Jurgen Herman, and Cedric Hathaway, all Stampede Wrestling refs, could show these hockey refs how it's done. Uh, yes, and again, we talked a bit about the fact that when you're watching NHL playoff games, it's confusing because there's a standard in one game that's not there in the other. Yes, there's a human element, uh, but it's become really frustrating watching Vegas play, frankly, uh, against Colorado and against Montreal. But maybe there's something that's not wrong with that. I don't know. I'm going to bring Al May aboard. Al, how you doing? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, now, you're, are you driving back from Washington to Texas right now? Yeah, I'm near I'm Highway 81 near Roanoke, Virginia. So I've only got about 15 hours more. So not too bad. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever been to Roanoke. Uh, I've not been to Roanoke. Uh, uh, there you go. So 15 more hours. Uh, all right, Al. What? Are, so so I don't know what you've thought. I know you've been watching all the games. Uh, Corey Perry. High sticked right in the face by Marsha. Should have been a double minor. No call in that overtime period. And then Suzuki punched right in the face by uh, Braden McNabb, who's certainly, you know, he's a physical player and doesn't necessarily have to be accountable in today's NHL. 
and it should have given Montreal a five-on-three. And they say the refs don't influence the outcome of the game, but they didn't make a call in either situation, and it could have influenced the overtime game for Montreal. It didn't. They still won, but I think it might have influenced the game on uh, the other night. What are your thoughts on what we're seeing right now in the playoffs with the refs? Well, I'm not a fan of the refereeing right now, and I honestly believe, and I think there's a lot of players that are in the same category as I, and that's a penalty is a penalty no matter when it is. And, you know, if you're going to have a, a standard that you're setting, it needs to be the same standard from the first minute of the game all the way through overtime. And what we saw the other night, and the fact on the Marcheseau play where he, he nailed Corey Perry and cut his nose in half, uh, you know, the linesmen are allowed to call the high sticks as well. And no one did a thing. So I, I, it's, it's baffling right now. And, it, it, you know, it's not like this is just a, a first-time thing, but it's finally being highlighted and spotlighted the way it should be. And you look at players are cut, players are demoted, players are suspended, all the different things that happen when they're not up to par. And I don't get what the NHL is doing with the refereeing right now. And, and they never admit to any wrong as to what their guys are, you know, calling or not calling. And really, it's been absolutely ridiculous in these playoffs what, what the standards are. And I don't know if they're letting Big Brother, and they want Big Brother to do all the suspensions and, and take the job away from them. But, you know, if we're, if we're not going to call penalties on the ice, why do we even need the referees out there? Yeah, uh, you know, my theory is they don't want to influence the outcome of the game, but in the process they're influencing the outcome of the game because the teams that are the bigger, heavier teams push the envelope more like McNabb. Like uh, you watch that incident at the end of the second period, the Canadians finally get a power play in the game. Suzuki and McNabb get tied up. Suzuki gives him a little shot, and McNabb winds up right in front of Chris Lee and punches him right in the face. Now, that wouldn't have happened when you played because there would have been somebody on the ice to go up to Braden McNabb and say, how about you pick on somebody your own side, buddy? But And maybe that's part of it. But there is another one. They didn't want to call a five-on-three because they're influencing the outcome of the game. Well, you know, the reason he didn't see it is because he's far-sighted. That I guess he's not near-sighted. But the, the other, you know, you are influencing the game. You are influencing the game by not calling the penalties. A penalty should be called in, in all the different situations. And you know, it, you know, one of the things when you do complain about the referees, but they have a habit of coming the next game, and then they call everything. They over rotate on it, and they call the smallest and you know the minorest of infractions. And to get you back, well, if, they, if you want to call it, but really there has to be a standard that's set. And influencing the game by not calling a penalty is still influencing the game. You know, if they don't want to, so it's affecting the games and the outcome. And it, it really is disturbing as to what we're seeing. Should it only be when a puck goes clearly over the glass, or there's eight men on the ice in a zone uh, for one team? Are those the only things they're going to call? It's kind of, uh, well, I was going to drop the word chicken something on there, but really that has to be better than what we're seeing. And the teams have to know, the players have to know, the coaches have to know, you know, really the fans, you know, everyone watches the games and people are getting frustrated. And even if it's your own team, like the Marsh is so high stick last week to Corey Perry, you know, even if it's your own team, you'd have to say that's a penalty. That's an absolute penalty. And that could have been a, a probably a four-minute rather than a five. Uh, it wasn't done with the intent, but he swung his stick carelessly in the air. It would have been a four-minute. The guy's nose was hanging down, you know, in front of his mouth. It was just it was disgusting, and the fact that they aren't doing it is very upsetting right now.
There was an incident, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what you're, it's, it's funny, Al May joining us right now, long-time Washington Capitals player and broadcaster. Al, if uh, the Montreal Canadiens had lost 8 nothing to Vegas, people would have said, oh, the Canadian division is terrible. Tampa Bay beat, yeah, t- Tampa Bay beat the, at least the Americans would have been doing that, because, you know, the Americans are always, I'm going to hit on something else with you on that, too, in a second. But anyhow. Uh, the Islanders in Tampa. There was a, a combination of events last. Ryan McDonough cross-checked Brock Nelson right in the face. Two-minute minor. Matthew Barzell, who's being hooked in hell, got frustrated, got in it with Jan Ruda, and Speck thinks he followed through and cross-checked him hard. I almost thought he kind of lost a, a bit of control of the stick and didn't get him hard, but R- Nelson got up and gutted his way off the ice, and it was only a two-minute minor. Ruda... Uh, went down like he'd been hit with an assassin's bullet and stayed down for a minute and Barzell got five minutes. Now is part of Barzell reacting that way because the skill player has to defend himself in today's game because the officials aren't and we've eliminated the enforcer. I, I would think they were identical cross checks to me and one guy chose to get up, the other guy chose to lay, lie down. Uh, neither guy was really hit in the face or hit up high in the chest and it grazed up, you know, maybe their neck or something. But uh, they're penalties. Both are penalties. And, and they're all, they should have been identical. They should and have I looked at it. And, yeah, yeah and, and Barzal, he, when you look at what he did, he was frustrated. His team was getting it. They were getting it kicked royally. And that, that was a frustration penalty. And Ruta played it up. I, I believe Ruta played it up. And at the same time, I don't know if it has to go into the idea of enforcers or, or not. We're we're kind of over all of that now. But the thing is, he was just frustrated late in the game. He wasn't getting it done. And, you know, I would have been more frustrated for the Islanders rather than what Tampa was doing to them, the fact that no one would shoot the damn puck. And, you know, that had to be frustrating. You can't score a goal if you don't shoot the puck. And if they're looking for the perfect shot and, and they pass it back and they, they don't ever get shots on net and it just ends up being – a rodeo inside their own zone, you know, that's, that's the part that was frustrating to me. You know, they, they were, you know, they had some bad bounces that put them down three to nothing. And then it was just all over after that. You know, they didn't try to, they were trying to catch up too hard. They started blowing assignments, but at the same time, they refused to shoot the puck last night. You know, you get the puck into the paint, you, you get bodies there. You might get some power play opportunities. You might get some rebound shots. You might, you know, ugly chances. And you look at what Tampa did. They scored some ugly goals last night. So, it had to be all-round frustrating uh, for the Islanders. But the, the good thing for the Islanders, whether they lost 8 nothing, 10 nothing, 20 nothing, or one nothing, it's just one loss. And yeah. we've seen it time and time again where teams do, especially in junior hockey, you look at a team waxes you know, their opponent one night, and the very next night they play and they, they, they get waxed themselves. So you never know what's going to happen in this game. But I think the Islanders have to play a, a slower brand of hockey they've got to clog up the the neutral ice because there's no way that they can run a gun with the with the tampa bay lightning and you know tampa bay they don't refuse to shoot the puck uh they've got so many gunslingers on their team they're they're looking for you know the shoot off the pass but at the same time if the pass isn't there to, to make it for the shot they just shoot the puck and they find rebound goals so you know tampa's doing everything right right now uh they, everything went their way last night I think, you know, the Hornets' nest will be going into uh, Long Island, and it's going to be a tough one the next time. It's it's going to be a way grittier game than it was last night. Uh, you know Barry Trotz. Are the Islanders more Barry Trotz's team, Lou Lamarillo's? How would you assess that? 
you know what? Lou Lamorello gives his coaching staff everything they can. You know, look, look what they did. Everyone is talking about how much, you know, Tampa Bay was over the salary cap when they started the playoffs, even though, you know, we're at zero with the cap by getting Stamkos and Kucherov back. But, you know, the Islanders did the same thing. When Anders Lee went down, they, they put in a lot of dollars. All of a sudden, they had dollars all over the place. And both of these rosters, when you go on cap-friendly, are huge. But, you know, Lamorello gave Trotz, and, and Trotz has molded it his way with Lane Lambert. They've done an incredible job. Uh, uh, mostly, you know, the, last night was so uncharacteristic of them and how they play. But normally they play a very strong defensive game, a lot like Montreal has been trying to do, keep teams to the outside. But uh, I, the only thing I didn't think that was Barry Trotz-like last game was they refused to shoot the puck. And, you know, they're going to have to change that methodology. But I would say it's Barry Trotz's team and the way that, you know, he, he's got his team playing. And he's got a lot more clout than, you know, he did going to Nashville where he didn't win anything. You know, he never won a second playoff round in Nashville, I believe. And he got to Washington, and it took to the last year until yep. he got out of the second round. And, you know, you know, he's a Stanley Cup coach. He comes in with a lot more credibility on Long Island on a team that was starving for good coaching after what they had had for years and years. So, you know, I, I would say that the players definitely believe in Barry. And they, he's going to have a, a different outcome next game, I believe. Al May joining us right now. So, Al, the other night I'm watching uh, a story on the New York Islanders and the, the great Islanders teams in the early 1980s. You play, you grew up during that time, played in the league in the late 80s, early 90s. Stan Fischler said that the Edmonton Oilers are not a true dynasty because they did not win three Stanley Cups in a row. That's uh, Stan's definition. I would I would say that's the sort of comment you get from some Americans on issues. No, it's my rule and my rule only, and that's just the way it is. Were the Edmonton Oilers of the 1980s a dynasty, in your opinion? Oh, uh, you know, to, to me, it's always uh, that's one of the tough ones, and I don't think it's a Canadian American thing because you look back, Montreal Canadiens were certainly yet in the in the 70s, and then what you had are the Islanders four in a row. No, no one's done it since, and. Yep. You know, it's been it's been a couple in a row. The Oilers were phenomenal, and I, I think the fact you, you leave an argument there, the fact that they blew the one the one year when when they blew it, and you know they were out of sync and they lose to Calgary, and that, that cost them being the dynasty. But were they the best team in that era? Yes, they certainly were, and they did it with different players, and you know the, the rosters were drastically different from start to finish. So. That one's just, you know, is it Come on, a they won five, they, Yeah, they won five Stanley hey, Cups in I, seven years. I, hey, you're, you're talking to a guy that lived and breathed the Oilers growing up and, you know, was lucky enough to play just a couple of games for them. But at the same time, when, when you blow it like they did, that leaves an argument for people. And, you know, a guy like Stan Fischler is always looking, you know, to poke the bear and, and to create controversy like a lot of these clowns do nowadays. But you look at it, and there, there is, there's an argument that they weren't exactly a dynasty because they blew that cup, and, and then the next time they won was without Gretz. So it, it was, I thought it was great coaching, a, a great blend of players. But I always look back, and that's one of the things that made the Islanders were so phenomenal at the way they played. The Montreal Canadiens and the Oilers had some hiccups there. And so, you know, I don't know what the tech, technical technically what a dynasty is, but I think it just leaves a hole in the argument that they blew the one the one playoff series See, against I look Calgary. At, I, I look at it like Calgary was really good too. Let's not forget Calgary made it to both. Well, you're not a six. dynasty when you're when you're not winning. You know, <laughs> you know, like yeah, there were some really good. 
Yeah. Yeah. There was there were some really good Winnipeg teams. There were some really good Calgary teams. But they had to play Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messi, Yari Curry, Glenn Anderson, you know, Paul Coffey and Kevin Lowe and the, the different cast of characters that the Oilers had. And, and Grant Fuhrer, Andy Moe, you know, the different, the different players they had. But, you know, that doesn't make him a dynasty when they only win one at a time. And Winnipeg never has and probably never will win a cup. All right, Al, awesome stuff. Love having you on the show. Safe travels at such base again, okay? All right, take care, man. Bye. Bye, bye. That's Alan May pulling over on a fifteen minute or fifteen hour drive uh, back to Texas uh, from Washington D.C. Here we go. This texter out of an Alberta exchange says, "At one time, a two minute penalty would serve the four. Or at one time, a two minute penalty would serve the full two minutes." Montreal Canadiens had such a power, potent power play. In the 1950s, the NHL eliminated that then, as uh, and then there was a uh, big space behind the goalies. So the Gretzky rule came in again. Too many power play goals to make it fair. Don't forget, uh, Texter. They also changed the four-on-four rule because the Oilers would get to four-on-four and destroy teams. Now the top power play units just don't get any power play time. The NHL keeps penalizing teams for being good and rewarding teams as not good by allowing all the infractions they allow. They make it harder and harder for good teams to score, yet they always complain about goals being down. Cactus Jack says, Bob, just so you know, uh, just on, you, you referenced the, the story the night the lights went out in the Review Journal out of Wisconsin. Here's an update on the most uh, best, the most bet sports last week on, on is it Bovada? Is that how it's pronounced? At Bovada ofi- uh, Official. I, I can be mispronouncing that. NBA. Major League Baseball at 31%. Soccer at 15.78. Golf at 4.93. And NHL at 4.10. That was uh, via Arash Markazi on Twitter. Bob, this is a sign that people don't trust refereeing. Uh, NHL refereeing. I I would suggest it's also a sign that there isn't as much interest in the National Hockey League as there is in the other sports. And there needs to be some work done in that area. All right. Uh, to this day in Oilers history for New West Travel, this September travel a private WestJet charter flight to Whistler and play four spectacular mountain courses. Details at newwesttravel.com. Hey, this is a pretty significant uh, moment in Oilers history. Back in the state in 2000, here's Brandon Escott. The Oilers announced Craig McTavish as the new head coach of the franchise following Kevin Lowe's departure from behind the bench to the front office. Lowe took over as general manager after Glenn Sather had resigned on May 19th of that year. Uh, McTavish coached the Oil from 2000 through 2009, winning 301 of 656 regular season games and, of course, leading the team to the 2006 Stanley Cup Final. And also on this date in 2001, yours truly, no, 2002, yours truly was in Toronto for the NHL entry draft. That was the year that Jay Bomeister, Florida, told them they were taking him, and they did, but they traded down from one to three to uh, minimize the bonus structure at that time in the NHL CBA for rookies. Um, Jay Bomeister out of Medicine Hat went third. Scotty Upshaw. Went six to Nashville, and the Anaheim Ducks got Fort Saskatchewan's Joffrey Lupel seventh overall. Ken Dryden did about a 17, 18-minute speech to open. Uh, and by the way, not a very well-attended draft. There was only like seven or 8,000 people in uh, Toronto for that draft that year. And the Oilers, 
stunned everybody. And I had a little guide, and it took me a full two minutes to find Yessi Ninamaki, who, as it panned out, uh, didn't exactly pan out uh, in uh, the... Uh, Edmonton Oilers lexicon of draft picks. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Again, experience a great golf holiday to Whistler in a private jet. Play four spectacular mountain courses. Details at newwesttravel.com. Royal Pizza, pizza past and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stop for recommendation, Mediterranean Chicken. And uh, Brendan Escott's a big fan of the text that I heard that on uh, Friday's show. Nicely done, Brendan. Uh, tomorrow, NHL Network analyst Brian Lawton from the Cult of Hockey. We referenced him earlier today on our conversation about scouting. Uh, David Staples and our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Reed Wilkins has an hour of Inside Sports Night, 6 to 7. Brendan, what's he got shaking? Uh, Kelly Rudy from NHL Hockey on Rogers. There you go. And then we'll have Game 5 uh, Montreal and Vegas following the 7 o'clock news. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. 6.30, Chad. Afternoons of Jalen Nye runs from 3 to 6. So long, everybody. Back at you tomorrow. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad.